All right. We are back. Welcome to Football Life Presents the Audible on this Tuesday, June 22nd. And if you're watching us, your eyes do not deceive you. That is not our normal Matt Bushnell. That is our resident Browns fan, Corey Richmond, joining us for our special AFC North Week episode. Corey, thank you for joining us. How are you doing, man? Wait, you're not Jason Brooks? What, 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 <laughs> I? <laughs> I am not notable Green Bay Packers fan, Jason Brooks. And this is not the work shoot, my friend. Wait, what, what am I doing here? Uh, <laughs> I mean... Am I Matt Bushnell? I didn't realize. Wait, I, it's great to be with you again for, I guess, just the third time, the trifecta of being on. And, you know, the first two times are really entertaining, and I'm ready to do it again, talking about uh, the AFC North. The division that you are certainly familiar with. Uh, I just want to say Matt Bushnell feeling a little under, weather, under the weather today, so we hope he feels better uh, and comes back with us again next week. But like I said, AFC North week. But I should mention, before we get into any division talk here, Corey, it's episode 62, and you always seem to pull out a great number in the comments when we do this little bit here. Um, famous number 62s in the sport. When you think of number 62, who do you think of typically? Uh, well, I mean, I'll be honest. I cheated. I took NFL <laughs> Hall of Famer uh, Jim Langer, uh, okay. 12-year uh, player was on the 72 dolphins i believe he was a six-time pro bowler if i remember my research from earlier mm-hmm. you know i don't want to look too stupid until later on when i talk about <laughs> the other teams but uh that's, that's the big one that came up for me well that's certainly uh, a worthy uh person there hall of famer so good uh good pull there because i thought of two active guys joe tooney formerly of the patriots um I forgot which team he signed for, honestly, off the top of my head. Um, but then Jason Kelsey, brother Travis Kelsey on the Eagles, worst number 62. But also, the other thing I think of is the water boy. Best of luck to you on, on an upcoming play. I'll be playing with your mama tonight. 62. Um, he intercepts a pass, and then the number, the guy on the other team, number 62, was talking bad about his mama. <laughs> and then he finds him, throws the ball at him, and the whole time he's like, number 62, number 62, and he runs and he drop kicks him in the end zone. It's uh, something I always think of when I hear that number. For some reason. Yeah, exactly. We make, we make uh, Waterboy references often, often on the show, so uh, no shock there. All right, Corey, before we get to your division, we have uh, one bit of news I wanted to address here right off the top, and it involves a former Cleveland Brown, but current uh, and active Oakland Raider defensive lineman Carl Nassib makes history yesterday, becoming the first active player to come out as gay. Um, you know, we don't talk about a lot of serious things on the show, and you know what? That's okay. Um, but to me, the, my only take here, Corey, is that represent, representation matters at every level. So uh, I never want someone to feel like that they can't be themselves. So good for him on doing this and making it seem like he can, you know, he doesn't have to hide who he is. And maybe, you know, this might help a generation or someone else, um, a younger person think that they can be themselves. So good for Carl. Uh, I think it was very brave to do what he did. Um, and I commend him greatly for that. I totally agree. Um, it's amazing how the league has change from you know even five ten years ago mm-hmm. now people are treated i mean it came out uh, earlier today i believe it was that the league already knew about this and they were fine with it i mean this is will it be an easy thing for him most likely not because just like in the profession that i cover regularly uh the internet can be brutal and mm-hmm. basically caveman mentality i mean yeah last week with the wwe with uh, piper niven a uh, female wrestler who is on the bigger side, to put it nicely, mm-hmm. you know, they basically ripped her for basically a week and you could see the ugly sides. I mean, let's mm-hmm. hope that, you know, we've improved at least on when someone does come out and being able to live their life. And, you know, 
other players have done it in the past in every sport, but it mm-hmm. was not as an active player. So it's going to be a real test to see the maturity of the league and the maturity of the fan base. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, we have our own lives to live individually. So him, you know, being gay has no effect on anyone else's life, uh, life instead of his own. So how he carries himself probably will not change and how he performs in the football field will not change because of this. It's just part of who he is. So uh, I implore anyone to be sort of accepting of this. And it's sad that the NFL even has to approve of this. <laughs> it's not something that should you know, warrant approval for him from the league, but unfortunately that's where we live now. So good for Carl Nassib. I'm happy for him and his family and uh, the players are supporting him too. So I have no, you know, I had no doubt about that either. So that's history. I know Michael Sam came out uh, before the draft and and that was a big deal, but this is an active player who gets, um, you know, in a rotation who plays a lot. So we'll see. I hopefully, you know, he doesn't get um, treated any differently. That That's my main hope here. So yeah, good I mean, for Carl Nassim. People remember him from, uh, from hard knocks. Yes. Cleveland Cleveland <laughs> uh, the Cleveland Browns with a lot of their dysfunction and he came off being you know a pretty good guy and you know he was a decent player when he was with uh, the Browns but you know I'm glad to see that you know he's made the team with the Raiders for right now mm-hmm. and we'll see how good he really is now that he's you know in the spotlight if it affects his game I think that's the one thing I do wonder mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he was the compound interest guy on Hard Knocks. I remember him really breaking down uh, finances. So uh, that's one, one takeaway I had from that season of Hard Knocks for sure. Uh, among, you know, Jarvis Landry and your offensive line coach and a couple of things. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we're going to move on because uh, you know what? Uh, this is one of my favorite divisions because it seems to be so competitive every year. And you, when you think of this division, I, you know what I think of this division, I always think of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the first team I think of, they are the six-time Super Bowl champion. I mean, I can go on and on, Corey. I know you're a Browns fan. You know you know it you you understand the history of the Steelers it's rich and it's it's uh you know legendary in all a lot of aspects a lot of great players coming through this organization and uh let's start there so the Steelers are coming off of a 11-5 season where they won the division uh the AFC North um and they started off 11-0 I mean that's that's pretty impressive to do that but then (laughs) things went downhill pretty quickly for the Steelers um and they would lose in the first round of the playoffs to your Cleveland Browns um, you know what? A lot of the a lot of the season, the Steelers had a great defense. They relied on their defense a ton for that 11-0 start. Um, they have a good receiving core, but nonetheless, things fell apart for them at the end. I don't. Uh, you see the the hike snap over Big Ben's head, and it all sort of crumbled after that. This is a weird time for the Steelers because now you have a Big Ben who's 38 years old coming back. He's obviously a Hall of Famer, a franchise legend. But I wonder here, Corey, what. Big Ben has left to offer. I mean, he's in year 18 now. I mean, he is not the same nimble, uh, you know, elusive man he used to be. Doesn't have the same arm strength. And already you see the offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, sort of cater to him already. So this to me could go south, but I don't know what Big Ben has left physically. You watch Big Ben a lot. You play him twice a year. He's sort of tortured your fan base for the last 20 years or so. Um, Big Ben in 2021. Am I wrong to be questioning the ability of Ben Roethlisberger now? I think the biggest thing with Ben Roethlisberger is the health and is he so stubborn, which he is, that he won't change his game. Just like, you know, another team we'll talk about later with the Ravens. If Lamar Jackson learns, you know, he doesn't have to run in every play and almost get killed, he'll play, you know, he could be a better player than he is right now. And he still has a bad arm, Mm -hmm. but Roethlisberger has played the same way for 20 years. And what we've seen over the last couple of years is he gets hurt. And could this team start off really well and then he gets hurt and the 
the season falls down a cliff? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Could these wide receivers play really well together and do that great offense? And you have a running game that could be pretty good with a solid D. I mean, they—I personally don't see them being very good this year. But I, but you like every team in this division, I'm biased. So I mean, <laughs> sometimes it's hard to say. Yeah, Pittsburgh's going to be great for the 20th straight, 20th straight year. Yeah, I mean, Big Ben, especially last year, um, played well randomly, sort of, right? It wasn't a consistent thing. It was, um, you know, one week he'd be more banged up than others. And really, it was the defense that was the focal point here. And you made reference to the receiving core. You're talking about Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster was brought back on a one-year deal. Um I, I like the I like Najee Harris in this offense. I just don't like drafting a running back in the first round. And I, I think if they're smart, they will rely on Najee Harris to sort of extend the shelf life of Ben Roethlisberger's, which they did not do a good job of last year because James Conner and Benny Snell wasn't exactly the running game that you need to have when you have an older quarterback like this. And you saw it at the end of the year. They, they won that game against the Ravens. After the COVID situation, I think it was like a Wednesday night game. It was so random. Um, And then they lose to the Bills, and then they lose to another game. And then eventually they lose like five of their last six, um, and they obviously lost to the the Browns. So to me, Ben, and I I, I know he's going to compare to these two guys his whole career, but uh, Philip Rivers at the end last year sort of looked like he was done, and Eli especially at the end was for sure done physically. That's kind of where I'm at here with Ben Roethlisberger, but he could give them more than those two guys gave their teams, but it really depends on how the rest of the team plays. Um, and you know what? They have a lot of talent around him, and I already mentioned the three receivers and Najee Harris. They have a good offensive – like, uh, okay, a decent offensive line, I should say. I think it's a little worse than what has been, but it's still solid. Uh, Eric Ebron, a tight end, seems to be pretty inconsistent, but nonetheless he can still catch touchdowns. But to me, Corey, this team is going to go as far as the defense takes them. Um, T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree really carried them for a lot of the year last year, and then Bud Dupree gets hurt, and then the season sort of falls apart. Now Bud Dupree's gone. Um, and now it's TJ Watt and you're kind of filling in that other spot with uh, Alex Highsmith. Um, and you see what he does. Devin Bush potentially coming back from an ACL injury. We don't know how he's going to do. That's huge for them too. I mean, the Steelers defense is still kind of is, is also on the older side with guys like Cameron Hayward, Stephon Tuitt, um, you know, Joe Hayden. I, I mean, he played really well for them last year. Micah Fitzpatrick's probably the best overall player on the defense, maybe even more so than TJ Watt. But the defense itself here, Corey, am I wrong to think, you know, hey, this defense better step up or they're going to be even worse than they were last year? I agree. I, as much as we want to talk about the flashy players on offense, this team will come down to will the defense be able to keep them in these games? Mm-hmm. And when they fa- face these high-powered offenses, are they going to be able to consistently keep them off the field? The longer they're on the field, the worse this is going to be. And Edmonds, I think, is a solid player. Mm-hmm. Fitzpatrick, I think, is – top five players most likely at his position. Yeah. Watts is, you know, the second best defensive player in the division. <clears throat> Just, you know, maybe bias there. Uh, <laughs> but I think this defense could be really good, but I think there could be a lot of distractions on this team, especially with a fan base that's not used to losing mm-hmm. and the aftermaths of starting 11-0 and then just petering out and just base- and basically falling apart. And, you know, yes, the Browns fans are brutal on Twitter now that they actually have a little bit of hope and actual, you know, winning behind them. But, you know, it's really is the idea that that playoff game was an utter disaster. And just like a lot of times the Browns last year, second half, they took the 
to pedal off, the, pedal off, and mm-hmm. they let teams get back. That game was nowhere near as close as it was at the end of that playoff game. No, I mean that was the the definition of garbage time for a lot of that. You know, Cleveland kind of, you know, like you said, take the foot off the pedal and uh, just kind of coast, and hopefully no one gets hurt. You know, that's that's basically that situation that was in, and they never even got close to tying it. So, not not totally worried. But part of that game that was concerning was Ben uh, was Mike Tomlin's decision to punt, and he got killed for it in the moment. And it kind of makes me think about Mike Tomlin as a whole. And he's been the Steelers coach for 15 years now. I mean, it's he's. He's the second longest tenure coach in the NFL behind Bill Belichick. Um, here's the thing. The Steelers haven't won a playoff game since, what, 2016 when they were they won the wild card game against the Dolphins, and then they lost to the Jags at home against Blake Bortles. I mean, this has been a frustrating decade since the Steelers have last even made a Super Bowl is when they lost to the Packers back in 2010. Is Mike, do you think Mike Tomlin a little bit here is getting a little stale in this locker room? I know there's a lot of turnover between the, lot, the roster since now and then, but Mike Tomlin, I respect a ton as a head coach. I think he's a damn good head coach, but I think sometimes change is a good thing, and maybe Mike Tomlin is feeling a little stale. Um, I don't fully disagree with that, but, I mean, let's think about this. Since I believe I saw a stat earlier today. Since 2015, mm-hmm. every, every team in this division besides one has finished last. Mm. The Ravens finished last once, and every other year it's either been the Browns a lot and the Bengals a bit. I mean, mm-hmm. but the one one team I did not name, and that's the consistency of a head coach, right. is the Steelers. And, you know, it hurts me a lot to say that, but – and I guess the other part is that if if Tomlinson lost the job – if Tomlinson was fired, he'd get a job in three seconds here. Yeah. Not, not, not because of, you know, the Rooney rule and everything else. It's based on his – is he stale? Yes. But if he was gone, he would get a job in two seconds. And I think that factors into it, the fact that maybe you need a new voice. But I think he has enough stroke in that place. And especially how he defended his team and, you know, Mason Rudolph and everything Mm -hmm. else when it came to Garrett a couple of years ago, that I think he's got the back of the people who matter in that place. So, yeah, Dale, yes, but I don't think he's going anywhere. I, I agree with that part of it too. I, I do think that his consistency and overall success is going to outlast this sort of maybe his voice isn't carrying as much weight as it used to in the locker room, but that's okay because, you know, results on the field matter more than anything else. Um, but here's where I, I kind of get concerned because we're talking about two different outcomes here, When you, especially when you're a Browns fan. You will have like the, you've made the playoffs for the first time in forever last year, so it's different. But the Steelers are sort of like the Yankees in the sense where it's Super Bowl or bust almost every single year. So in the last decade, they've lost to Tom Brady in the playoffs three times. They've lost to Joe Flacco. They've lost to Blake Bortles. Uh, they've lost to, Blake, uh, to to Baker Mayfield. Like they've had some absolutely brutal playoff losses, and the wins don't even come close to uh, coming um, to equaling that. And I think if you're a Steelers fan, you you, should, you would be frustrated. And I know we were talking about different levels of success here because if you're a Browns fan, you're like, well, hey, I would kill to make the playoffs every year uh, and have these losses. Um, but, you know, this team has six Super Bowl championships and these fans expect more out of that. And as a Yankee fan, I, I can sort of understand where they're coming from there. I don't know if this team has enough to not only make a run, but I don't know if they have enough to make the playoffs in the AFC. It's a stacked uh, conference and – this division is going to be tough. It's always tough. I mean, you, this team is so used to be the Ravens being their primary rival, but now the Bengals are nothing to overlook and the Browns are the best team in this division. And I don't know if they're better than either uh, the Ravens or the Browns this year. Um, if you look at the, uh, at Vegas and the, uh, the line to win the division, they're the number three pick right now at plus. Okay. Four. And I think that shows a lot that, you know, it, 
it's finally the idea of what the betters and the actual football people are finally seeing things at the same time. Because if this was a couple of years ago, and after, you know, good losses and bad losses, I think that, you know, Vegas would still be like, they're still going to be, you know, either first or second division mm-hmm. making the playoffs. Three teams made the playoffs last year. Yes, they collapsed. Do I think they're going to make the playoffs this year? My gut says no, but my heart, knowing this team, says it's a possibility. So I, I, I would say that it's unlikely, but, you know, you never know. Well, to me, if they if they are going to make the playoffs, it's not going to be a division win. It's going to be a wild card situation, and I could see that. I mean, the Bears sort of, you know, painfully made the playoffs as the seventh seed last year, and I could sort of see that for the Steelers this year. Uh, sharing my screen now, Corey, showing the schedule. Um, it's uh, not the worst or most difficult schedule I've ever seen, so it's, it's certainly doable. What'd you say? I think it's when I was looking at it earlier quickly. I think they have the easiest schedule of the uh, of the four teams most likely really okay um you know what i I haven't got the chance to overlook all of the schedules but you know what i mean at buffalo and vegas first two i don't think that's easy by any means at green bay i mean that that remains to be seen with the rogers situation uh denver could be frisky i could absolutely see denver making noise in the afc um seattle at home i mean they get a break there not having to go to seattle but seattle nonetheless russell wilson is still pretty good um you know what and obviously detroit is nice to have going to the chargers is going to be tough um and then getting baltimore twice in the last month is an ideal and same uh, honestly i mean cleveland at the second to last game um I mean, at least I get them at home, but still it is a, not the hardest schedule I've ever seen, but I don't know what to make of this team. Like I just, I have a hard time thinking that they're going to start off 11 and 0 again, which obviously is not going to happen, but they just really backed into the postseason last year. And I can't help but to think the, the, the last month of the season and that postseason game against the Browns is more likely going to be their 2021 outcome than the beginning of the year. I, I can see what you're saying there, but you know what? You have that stretch in but, um, October. I don't know, Corey. You look at the schedule. What is your official prediction for the Steelers? I think that the schedule isn't terrible. I think having that what was it week five, six, and then the bye, both those games being at home, could be a good start to the season. And then facing Cleveland on on Halloween could be the, will be like that first true test. But mm-hmm. I think they are a five hundred somewhere between nine and eight and seven and. Seven and ten, I guess. This whole this eighteen week schedule is, you know, screw with my head here for a second. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Could they finish last in the division? Could they finish first? I think there's a better chance of them finishing third or fourth than finishing second or first. Well, I'll give you my official prediction because looking at the schedule, it is gonna it's kind to them. So that is something you have to take into consideration. I do think they're third. I don't think they're gonna be a bad team by any means. I just think they're a sort of a painfully average team. And really it depends on how big Ben does. So um, remember there's a 17 game season now. Um, so I'm going to go nine and eight for the Steelers. Uh, I think that feels right. Uh, that, that puts them probably around that third place range somewhere alongside with the, on par with the Ravens somewhere, which we'll get to, but nine and eight feels right. It wouldn't shock me if they're eight and nine, but I don't think it's going to be a 10 win team or a 10 loss team by any means. Look, I mean, this is a cool, nice little schedule they got here, but <laughs> I, I think they win these games. I mean, they, they, they probably win both against Cincinnati. Um, I know Cincinnati's frisky. I think they'll play them tough, but I do think they win both of those games. Um, at Cleveland, I don't think they win either game against Cleveland. I just think Cleveland's a lot better of a team. Um, Denver, I absolutely can see them losing. Seattle, I could absolutely see them losing. Uh, Chicago, 
okay, they probably win that game. Detroit, um, they're probably going to win that game too. The Chargers, it feels like a loss to me. Um, and then Baltimore, I feel like Pittsburgh and Baltimore are very similar to me. Uh, I think they could probably split against them. At Minnesota, again, very similar, painfully average team to me. That could, that's a, that game's a toss-up. Tennessee, they probably lose to the Titans, honestly. At the Chiefs, yeah, that, that's going to be a blowout. Um, so, yeah, I mean, 9-8, eight, 8-9 eight, feels like the right range for me. Leon yeah. Tompkins also says he agrees Steelers will be third. All right. So uh, I thought that, I mean, last year I really didn't know what to expect from them either. So anyway, we're moving on to the Cincinnati Bengals. And the Bengals' success or interest really starts and ends with one player, and it is Joe Burrow. Um, Joe Burrow tore his ACL late in the season last year, but all things point to that he will be back and ready to go for 2021 because that's – that's important. That's super exciting because Joe Burrow made the Bengals fun to watch and made them watchable, I should say, even because they were just the worst. Uh, <laughs> one of the worst run organizations. They get a uh, quarterback number one overall, and he is a man. Like he's money. Um, doesn't have the greatest arm strength by any means, but he still made things happen. Uh, so the status of Joe Burrow appears to be good, and it appears like he will be ready in time for the season to start because that's really all we care about with the Bengals. If he's not there, the Bengals are going to be pretty irrelevant. So we need Joe Burrow there in Cincinnati. So my concern with the Bengals, there are plenty of them, but uh, Zach Taylor now in his third season as the head coach of the Bengals has been relatively underwhelming, I would say. Um, I do like what he did with Burrow, but I also probably credit more Burrow uh, for that than I do Zach Taylor. So my sort of uh, issues here are I have really don't know what to expect from Zach Taylor. If he's a good coach, I know that now uh, everyone wants to get their next Sean McVay. And that's sort of why he was hired anyway, because he was on McVay's staff. So if he can become or turn into something along the lines of Sean McVay, then yeah, the Bengals are going to be exciting and they could be a good football team, but he has yet to show that he can be at that level. To me, Zach Taylor really needs to step up, put Joe Burrow in a position to succeed. And really, um, if you do that, uh, then everything else could fall into place. I don't love the defense. Um, There's some other roster concerns. But to me, the relationship between Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow is the most important thing. I mean, the coach-quarterback relationship, we talked about it, Tomlin and Big Ben, been together for over a decade. We know how important that is. So to me, if they could start developing that, uh, and anything is possible for the Bengals at that point because – they have put a ton around Joe Burrow to also be successful. Um, I love um, a lot of what they put around him, especially at the receiver position. Tyler Boyd continues to be super underrated. I love Tyler Boyd. Um, you have, they drafted Jamar Chase fifth overall. They decided to not go with Panay Sewell. Um, so they added Jamar Chase. And then T. Higgins had a wonderful rookie season for them last year. So that three-headed monster wide receiver is really going to help the Joe Burrow development, um, along with Joe Mixon, who is still a pretty good running back in his own right. Um, the main concern offensively is the offensive line, which I think is a little overly criticized. Um, Jonah Williams, the draft in the first round a couple years ago, is going to be back at left tackle. So his health is sort of uh, – going to be the determining factor there. Um, and then Riley Reef at right tackle is also pretty good too. Um, concerns at center and guard. Yeah, fair enough, but it's not as bad as everyone says. I would like it a lot more if they had Panay Sewell, um, but they do not. So uh, other roster concerns are defensively. They are, are sort of this team where they like let a, good, a player have a good season and then he leaves and signs somewhere else. Um, they had a, guy, a defensive end go sign with the with the Jets, and they had a, a corner leave and sign somewhere else. So 
that is concerning to me, but they still have, uh, you know, they find ways to plug it in. Like Sam Hubbard at defensive end is really good. DJ Reader is really good. Uh, Larry Ogunjubalai. Uh, God, I can definitely didn't say that right, Corey. He's a former Brown. He's going to have to fix me whenever I can hear him. Trey Hendrickson, Trey Hendrickson is a good player too. Trey Wayans is fine. Uh, Abuzier at corner is okay too. Uh, Von Bell, all right, whatever. But defensively, they're not good. This plan is simple. They're not good enough defensively to win a lot of games. Their offense is going to be the determining factor whether they are fun to watch, exciting, or any kind of good. And I'm looking forward to see if Joe Burrow um, can come back, be healthy, and if Zach Taylor can kind of put that all together because I really do love their trio of receivers and think that they're young and super talented and they uh, can definitely be a force in the division and maybe even in the conference. I do think the Bengals could finish third in this division if some things finish, you know, correctly. I mean, the betters don't think that. And we'll talk about that, you know, in a moment. But uh, so, what? I mean, the main concern with the Bengals, as I said, is is the health of Joe Burrow. So, so you're saying, you know, full healthy Joe Burrow, you know, the receiving core, the offense, the offense is going to have to be the reason why if they do finish third. I think, um, you know, everything I've read on Burrow seems like he's on track to start the season again. Uh, does the health of Burrow not concern you at all? Because I mean, for me, he's not like a, the most mobile guy. I know he is mobile, but he doesn't rely on it. So to me, I think he should be there, but I wonder if it's going to take him a few games to get back into the swing of things. I mean, would I be happier with this team if they made a couple of more moves on the offense? Sure. But I think that the, one of the best things they did was get this man an offensive line. I think the offensive line would be better if they uh, went and took the, the monster from Oregon. Yeah. And that's what I would have done mm-hmm. if, you know, uh, at the draft, but I think chase can be a game changer. I think the idea that they play together in college, I think will help the confidence, even though it's going to be interesting for the second year of not really having a full in-person training camp, at least from, I think, believe things are now. Yeah. And I think the younger teams that will affect more than the Pittsburghs of the world, you know, or right. the Ravens of the world, you know? So I do think it will be interesting on how that goes, but I think the defense is better than people think. They weren't blown out in the majority of games last year. They did play tight in a lot of these games. And you would think if your star quarterback is healthy, which cross fingers he is, unless he's mm-hmm. facing, you know, the Browns those two weeks, <laughs> I think that this team can finish third in this division. Do I think they're a playoff team? No. But I do think that the Pittsburgh could be really bad, especially if things don't go well early and the team could basically fall apart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the defense isn't as, is a little better than people give it credit for. Okay, I can see the defense being frisky. I do like a lot of the, the, their guys on the front. Um, they have no notable linebackers that are worth a, worth a damn. Their secondary, I still think, is questionable, but I do like some of the guys they have out there. Um, but to me, it really comes down to Joe Burrow and, and, and the offense, which I do like the idea of the offense. I think the receiving core is, is so young and so good that it could just carry them. And that's the difference between them and the Steelers, where Burrow is the young guy with the young receiving core where big Ben is the old guy with kind of a mixed receiving core, which is, it's not old, but it's not, um, you know, super young either besides Claypool, I would say um, the, the best chance for that to happen to me is if big Ben gets hurt and then Mason Rudolph is a complete disaster. And then maybe they even have to resort to going to Dwayne Haskins playing for the Steelers, which, Hey, it could happen. I'm not, you know, ruling anything out of that. I mean, I would be shocked if it gets to that point with Tomlin, but it also is something that in the 
depths of my mind I could see happening. So to me, just on paper, this team is probably going to be slated to finish fourth, but they will be competitive. So that's not to say that they're going to be awful, but I do think that they're going to be a team that it's going to be in there um, and, and competing each week. So for me, um, I'll pull up their schedule here in a second. What are, I mean, I, I talked about my roster concerns um, defensively here, Corey, do you have any other roster concerns? Like I, I used to the offensive line, you wish it was a little bit better, but when you look at the, the team defensively, I see a couple guys here and there, but overall it doesn't have a lot of great depth. And I, I don't really know what they're totally capable of as a complete unit. I can understand them, but you know, maybe this is just bias and I'm going to be hundred percent honest, mm-hmm. but not, not often when I think about football, do I have the blinders on of what happened in the past years of fantasy football. And so <laughs> I know that's uh, our Sunday show, but, uh, but I don't know really for 17 or 18 weeks, can you really rely on, on, on Joe to be that, uh, not, not Joe Burrows, but Mixon? Can you rely on Mixon to be mm-hmm. that every week, you know, rely on him? I mean, I don't, like I said, maybe some of it's bias in the fact that he crapped the bed for the beginning of a whole entire fantasy football season for like last year or the year before. And it was better this past year. Mm-hmm. but I don't know how much faith I have in their running game when it's key games. And I think the other part about this is, is, and we're going to see this in pretty much every team in this division and to different levels and how their defense will handle it. Are all of these games going to be shootouts? Is it going to be when they were good? And when Joe Burris was healthy, they were averaging like 40 points of 40 points for some of these games. Yeah. And yes, it's maybe the league not knowing them as well and all these other things, but shootouts when it comes to late in the season, they don't happen. defense becomes bigger and people, you know, have to figure out how good you are. That's one of the biggest problems we'll talk about in a minute when it comes to the Browns, the Browns, you know, the, um, are great front runners, but Mm -hmm. when it comes, when the game's tight, Mm -hmm. will they be able to go and do it when it matters? And that's the big test for Joe Burrow, uh, Baker to a lesser extent for, you know, Lamar, because he's been, I mean, he's, Terrible arm, but he's done this for a couple of years. He's had a Pro Bowl, I think, an MVP or so. So, I mean, I have a little more faith in that aspect of a tight game. But we don't know that yet, what Joe Burrows can do when it really matters. Yeah, I mean, I think that his track record winning a national championship in, in college is, is certainly something I, I look to and think that he is capable. But it's fair at the next level to assume or to to wonder if he can do that. I mean, that's something that is, is not just going to happen overnight. I mean, it doesn't happen for a lot of guys where you just burst onto the scene like a Patrick Mahomes and win a Super Bowl in year two um, where Patrick Mahomes already had the greatest possible situation to succeed. Joe Burrow does not quite have that. Um, I do like talent around him but I want to see what, what they can do. I, and I, I have the schedule up here, Corey, and uh, the first half of the season before the bye, I think is, is doable. I think they could come out of that with a few wins, maybe four wins if all things broke right for them. But after the bye, it starts to get tough. And it depends. I mean, the Raiders are always competitive. I don't think they're great by any means, but they're not an easy game, especially in Vegas. Um, Pittsburgh, you know, I mean, we'll see, but I, I think we both think that they're, I mean, I think they'll be better than the Bengals, but we'll see. I mean, Pittsburgh has owned a lot of these teams for a long time. Maybe that's going to start to shift. But even if you take out those two games, this stretch after that, the Chargers, the Niners, the Broncos, the Ravens, the Chiefs, and the Browns is is a brutal stretch to end the year for me anyway, because I, I think highly of, of the Niners and the Broncos. Um, so I, I definitely think it could be, you know, a, a little bit of a 
pittering out of the of the season for the Bengals, regardless of how they start. Those first nine weeks, I can, and you know, part, a lot of this, every schedule you look at, Green Bay is sitting there. You don't know who the quarterback is going to be. Right. And if the if that you know if Aaron's there, it's one thing. If Love is there, it could be a whole different thing. But right. those first nine weeks, I could see them starting you know, a six six and three. Wow. Look at me. The Jets stink. Mm-hmm. Detroit's not any good. Green right. Bay could be terrible. Jacksonville's got a new quarterback. Mm-hmm. You, you could Chicago might be terrible. Mm-hmm. And that game's on the road, so maybe you say that could be hard. But you got your hardest game in the beginning of that year is Minnesota, and that's at home. Right. You know, so, I mean, you they could start off, and who knows how good Wilson's going to be with the Jets and huh. how, you know, um, Goff will play with – Detroit, but like I said, those first nine games, a lot of them are very winnable. I agree. I think there it's it's a tale of two different halves of their season, really. Uh, I, I really really think that the first half is much more manageable than their second half, and it really depends on if the Niners are as good as I think, and if the Broncos are as good. But regardless, in Denver is always a tough game, um, sure. so I, I do think that'll be a challenge for them. Um, and then the Chiefs obviously are are the cream of the crop in the AFC, and then I think the Browns are right there with them. So at the end of the year on those two teams, if there is any sort of hope for the Bengals. I think that's a, that's a brutal stretch for them at the end. Yeah. And you know, it, it also comes down to what, which could help them or could hurt them. A lot of people think that, you know, Kansas, those three teams at the end of the year, those three last three games, those teams are going to be pretty damn good. And yeah. those games may not mean as much then. I mean, is there a chance if Cleveland is as good as people think, or Kansas city is as good as people <laughs> think they are, could we sure. see them, you know, resting some guys, if they're all, if they're playing for playoff seeds and they Kansas city has a number one seed wrapped up. Mm-hmm. You're telling me that that game's not winnable if you're not playing it, if it means nothing to them. If Cleveland has the two seed or, I mean, if these teams aren't fighting for playoff spots, could they, and it's division games. You never know in a division game yeah. how you're going to play. So that's what, you know, like when we think Pittsburgh's going to lose, you know, a ton of games, division games are a whole different ballgame. Yeah. So, you know, some of those games that we think could be easy losses at the end of the year could be very possible wins. So I could see them being anything from nine and seven, to, to five and 12, I guess it is now. I mean, I think there's a big swing, but I think it's going to really be that first, if they can play really well before the bye and has some confidence, mm-hmm. this team could finish third. I don't think they're a playoff team, but I think they got the right parts there, but it all depends on uh, Big Joe, Cool Joe, whatever his nickname is going to be. Joe Cool. <laughs> Joe Cool. Yeah, name it all over again. Um, let's not go. Let's not go. No, I, I think he, <laughs> name it. Name it. Uh, me and Namath have beef. I don't necessarily think Namath is as great as everyone thinks he was. So I think he could even be better than Namath. He's, he's got a little uh, beef with Susie Colbert too, but that's another subject. Uh, all right. Uh, I I think that they're. You've convinced. You've kind of talked me into the Bengals a little bit here. I think they are going to go six and eleven. Um, and I I think that's honestly a competitive six and eleven. And a lot of the games they do lose, they're in on, and they're not going to be blown out. They're not going to look bad. Um, I mean, if Burrow gets hurt, all bets are off. You know, oh, sure. Right. Yeah. Um, before we move on, what are the betting odds for the Bengals? I believe it's a uh, plus 2038. So if you want to go and uh, have them win the division, you can make a nice little uh, investment, of, you know, a hundred dollar bet. You can win a little over $2,000. So, I mean, would I make that bet? No, but no. you know, there are some crazy people out there. I might have a friend who I do a podcast that, you know, might take a swing at it. <laughs> do, uh, do you have an over-under for them? Or is that something you have pulled up? Uh, no, I don't have that here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, but I, I would, I would guess, say, I would guess five or six probably. Is there I would say six. I would say the over-under because of the easy part of that schedule in the beginning. I think yeah. six wins is, I think might be the over-under. They might throw you a five and a half and I'd probably hit the over, honestly. Yeah, exactly. All right. 
I'm going to stop sharing now. We're going to move on. If, if you're just joining us in this version of our live stream, well, go check out the other one. We, we touch on the Steelers. We had some technical difficulties. Uh, hand up. My fault. Uh, so good. Uh, if you haven't seen this. Can you Steelers, hear me now? Yeah. And if you're listening on the, on the, uh, on the podcast for, uh, on any of our audio only platforms, you've heard it already. So we appreciate that. Um, so we're going to continue on now with the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, the Ravens are sort of Saints-ish to me. And what I mean by that is the Saints for the last half decade or so have had some absolutely heart-wrenching, brutal playoff losses that I feel like stuck with them for a lot of it, where no matter how good they were in the regular season, all anyone could ever think about was, um, well, do we trust them in the postseason or what brutal thing is going to happen to them now? Um, maybe it's not to the same level as the Ravens, but in Lamar's rookie season, you had the loss to the Chargers at home where he had like six fumbles. And then you had the home loss after you're the number one seed, the year Lamar's the MVP to the Titans, and they kind of show up and just punch you right in the mouth and dominate you. Uh, and then last year, you, you lose to the Bills uh, in Buffalo, and you couldn't get anything going offensively. All you needed was one score late, and you couldn't get the job done. So that's three straight years the Ravens really should have advanced further into the playoffs. And I, I sort of thought they got over that with the win in Tennessee last year, but the, their, their, ugly, their, their difficulties and their struggles reared their ugly head again when they were in Buffalo and it all comes down to the offense. Um, Corey, when you think of the Ravens, I don't know. This was the, this was the thing I had in my head with the saints. when it came down to like the Minneapolis miracle and then the, the Kyle Rudolph touchdown. And it just seemed to be playoff loss after playoff loss for new Orleans. I can't help but to think that's eventually that's going to wear off on a team. Yeah. I mean, I, I think until proven otherwise, they're the best team in the division. Oh, um, do I want to pick them to win the division? No, I just pulled it up. I mean, their their over under is for them is eleven games. Okay, I think that's most likely very doable. Um, and the Browns are ten, so um, okay. So I mean, and I think so. You know, Vegas as of right now kind of agrees. Um, I do think that they're most likely the most vanilla team, though. I mean, their big acquisition was Watkins and Bateman in the draft. I mean. Are they a team that every year they're going to have a good chance to win? Yes. Do I think they're winning a Super Bowl? No. If that makes any sense. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that they're the favorite, honestly, because I think they kind of got a little worse. Um, and I'll touch on that in a second. But before we get into the roster itself, I want to talk about the quarterback. Um, the biggest criticism or a lot, a lot of times when people don't believe in the Ravens, it is because of Lamar Jackson. Um, Lamar Jackson uh, is at the top of the, you sent me the 25 under 25. Um, he is the, the best player under 25 on, according to that list. And it has some good players on that list. I mean, there's some damn good players and, I, I actually like Lamar Jackson as a player, as a person. I mean, I, I think he's so fun to watch and he's exciting. But, I mean, he won the MVP of the league, and uh, that can't be understated. I think that the, the issues with Lamar Jackson are so glaring that they create these limitations that really might prevent the Ravens from being what they could be. Um, he has yet to show that he has developed as a passer, and he has yet to show that he can even pass uh, at a – at an average level. I mean, he really struggles in the pass game. And I know they haven't put the greatest weapons around him. I mean, Marquise Brown has been his number one receiver for the first few years of his career. Um, they tried to throw out Des Bryant last year, which I mean, I mean, he was had two Achilles surgeries and he wasn't even close to the same guy he used to be. You said they bring in Sammy Watkins. I mean, what did he, he even have to offer anymore? The chiefs just kind of let him go. 
I worry about Lamar Jackson and a passing it, with his passing game in a passing league. I mean, this is a league that is pretty much completely predicated on how you can throw the ball, your different schemes on throwing the ball, your route concepts. Um, they're going to run the ball fine, and he's going to be a big part of that. J.K. Dobbins is going to be a big part of that. I have no concern about that, and their offensive line, despite losing or trading Orlando Brown, uh, will be fine. I worry about strictly the pass game for Lamar Jackson. I mean, I don't know how anyone could feel otherwise. I don't disagree. I mean, I do think that uh, Brown is a very big part of this thing. Two years ago, he was amazing. Last year, he was lost for either the whole entire season, depending on how you feel, or basically three-fourths of it. He basically was a no-show. A no if Brown is, is Brown from two years ago, this team could be dynamic, you know, being that deep threat. Mm-hmm. If you got to, I mean, I think the better over under on wins and losses in the teams is how many games Watkins plays. I mean, is he going to play more than five games? I mean, the, the bet might be, you know, who plays more games, Watkins or Roethlisberger, based on, you know, mm-hmm. all this. I mean, I think Lamar Jackson is a very good fantasy player. I think he is, well, I'm sorry, he's an all time great fantasy player. Oh, I'm but, bad. and if you're playing, if you're playing Madden, I'm sure you, you oh. rarely will ever lose with him. <laughs> you know, he might be the Bo, you know, the Bo Jackson of a techno ball. I mean, but, he's um, over again in Madden, right? I mean, he's Michael Vick was a cheat code back in the day, right? And but you know what? I don't think of him as a winner. Mm-hmm. And can he win this division just based on the idea that he's so much bigger than a lot of these defensive players he's facing? So it's just a mismatch, sure. But in a key moment, he always falls apart. Of course, I'm saying that, and I've got a guy named Baker Mayfield on my team who, you know, fingers crossed and you know, and three toes at this point. But um, <laughs> I, I, I got up to break. Uh, maybe you are Jason Brooks. It happens once an episode. Um, but I think this is a really good team. I think it's a team that could either win 11 or 12 games, or they can be right in that underachieving nine-win type of situation and not make the playoffs, which is amazing to say. But I think the biggest thing on here is, and maybe I'm wrong and I'm totally missed this, but I think like with him and Baker, are you giving these guys 50-year options? You know, I mean, 30, I think it was like $23 million for Lamar Jackson. And I understand he's, like I said, fantasy, a fantasy god and looks great on paper. But at some point you got to figure out, can you win with, can you win with Lamar? And, you know, the amount of money that you have to start paying him and other players is going to make it interesting. I mean, of course, you know, on paper, you say you're not going to not give a 50 year option to an, to an MVP right. or an MVP type player, but the guy can't throw the ball. Right. And that's a big, big concern to me. And um, that's the looming question. I think that I'm glad you brought that up to that. The fifth year option is sort of out there. So I think this is a big year for Lamar and for Baker. So we'll see. I think the division will come down to these two teams. So uh, I want to see how that shakes out. And I, I honestly, I just think Baker is more worthy of the investment right now, given his style of play. And um, I know like Lamar doesn't turn the ball over as much, but Lamar also is running, you know, basically a wildcat offense, <laughs> but he throws the ball a little bit more, you know, I don't know. Um, 
I, I thought I was going to have more concerns about the offensive line after losing Brown, but Ronnie Staley is still damn good. Uh, Kevin Zeitler came over from the Giants. I still hate that they let him go. He's still really good. Uh, Alejandro Villanueva was a longtime Steelers tackle. He comes over. Now he's playing right tackle for them. He's older, I understand, but I think he has this chip on his shoulder. He went to the rival of the team he played for for a decade, and I think he for sure wants to shove it into the Steelers' face. Um, to me, I mean, one of the bigger concerns for me about this team is pass rush. Um, I don't think they had a great pass rush already last year. They lost their best one in Matt Judon. They won a free agency. He signs a huge deal with the Patriots. Um, still have a lot of good players on defense. Clayus Campbell, Derek Wolf, Tyus Bowser's probably their best pass rusher uh, now. But I mean, he that's I mean, I don't know uh, how if he's like I mean, I think Clayus Campbell overall their best defensive lineman. I don't know how much of a pass rusher he is more so the interior guy. But nonetheless, Patrick Queen, really good in the little middle linebacker spot. Um, Pernell McPhee is always a guy who makes plays for them and their secondary is really their strength. And I think that they're going to go as far as their secondary takes them here with Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, um, Sean Elliott, uh, Chuck Clark, Tavon Young. And I mean, a number of these guys are always out there making plays for them. So um, I don't know. I, I, I the, the pass rush is something I really have a hard time thinking about, but the secondary is a huge strength. So I guess I trust John Harbaugh and I'll talk more about him in a second to make the defense work. But overall, their pass rush is worse now than it has been in the last few years. I would agree with that. But, I mean, I think that uh, McQueen's really good. Mm -hmm. I think that their secondary with Humphreys is, is still very solid. I mean, uh, if they could stay healthy, you know, that, that's, that secondary is very good. But if they can't stay healthy, there's going to be problems, you know, facing some of these high-powered teams that they're going to have to face mm -hmm. in season. And if they are to make the playoffs, you know, because, I mean, I, I know I said that things tighten up, but there's this big guy in Kansas City who doesn't care what time of year it is. He's going to throw the ball, and he's going to – they'll rip you guys apart. I mean, Titans got, you know, a couple more weapons, you know, with uh, Julio, which uh, you guys spoke about uh, on your show. I mean, yeah. I like I said, I think they could uh, – I think they sh should be the favorite based – and a lot, of, a lot of times when I think about this, I'm not looking at the analytics part. I think it's also based on faith and hope and, you know, mm -hmm. pure heartbreak of many years past, but consistency is consistency, you know, and as much as it hurts me to say consistently, they make the playoffs consistently. Pittsburgh makes the playoffs consistently. The Browns break that break people, you know, break people's hearts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you had me, you know, gun to my head, I'm going with uh, the Ravens to win the division. Okay. Well, before we get to official predictions here, Corey, I mean, I'm glad you said the word consistency because I think of consistency and I think of the word consistency. I think of a few things and the Ravens, as far as the football world go, are one of the most consistent franchises each year. I mean, they have some down years here and there, I think of 2016, but then they quickly rebuilt and were back and they moved on from Joe Flacco. And then they now, you know, transitioned into this Lamar Jackson world that they have now. I think the consistency, I mean, I, I, the best player, I mean, the most consistent player on the team has been Justin Tucker. And I don't think the importance of a kicker can be overstated uh, in this league where so many games are determined by three points or less. Uh, Leon Tompkins in the comments says Justin Tucker is the MVP of that team. I mean, he has been the MVP of the team for, for you know, a few years before. I mean, he, he really is so clutch, so reliable in huge situations. And, I mean, you see teams with bad kickers get – I feel like the Chargers every other year have a kicker situation that costs them a playoff spot. So Justin Tucker has been that, that reliability uh, that that fallback anytime you need to, to, 
get three points. The other thing I think about consistency is John Harbaugh. Um, he is such a good coach. And, and to me, the reason that you're talking about Lamar Jackson winning an MVP and this team making the playoffs every year is because John Harbaugh can adjust to any sort of team he has and make it successful. If Lamar Jackson gets drafted to, I mean, the Giants, for example, who had a high pick in that draft, who needed a quarterback and didn't take one, we're not talking about Lamar Jackson as an MVP, as a guy who makes the playoffs every year, um, and definitely not talking about a guy with a fifth-year option. Situation is everything in the NFL, and when you're drafted by John Harbaugh, it's almost guaranteed you're going to succeed on some level. Um, to me, John Harbaugh, I don't want to rank coaches, but I think Bill Belichick is the standard, obviously. We talked about Mike Tomlin and how good he's been for 15 years. And John Harbaugh is up there with the Sean Paytons of the world as a, as a top five-ish coach in the league. And, and that's why the Ravens are so consistent each and every year. And I don't think, I think that's why you have to take them serious every year. Absolutely. And just uh, also coming, you know, Leon Thompson, you mentioned before from the Step Back podcast, Mm-hmm. Uh, Ravens lack a stud receiver is their downfall. I mean, this mm-hmm. game is based on, you know, defense and running the ball and depending and more it's gone towards throwing, of course. But I think that is a key point, which you brought up earlier when you have to bring up a Sammy Watkins as a possible key factor and a rookie in Bateman. I think that shows some of the inconsistency with this team. But like you were saying before with uh, John Harbaugh, I really think that if you're asking somebody right now, would you rather have Harba or Tomlin? I think nine out of 10 people would say the word Harba, yeah. you know, and I don't know. I think you would agree with me on that, right? Yeah, I think John Harbaugh, I think the world of John Harbaugh, I would love for him to be the coach of my team any day. Um, Tomlin, I think, is, is uh, a lot of basis, a lot of his coaching on emotion. And I, I think a lot of times you kind of have to be a guy. I know football is an emotional game, but sometimes you need to take a step back and, and hone in your emotions. Where Tomlin is sort of that rah-rah guy at all times and is going to fire the troops up and, and tear a guy down if he needs to. And and be the disciplinarian. And, that, and I think Harbaugh is a lot of that too. I just think his voice is more calming uh, in, a, in a time of stress and, and when shit gets real. Um, and I, I, I love Mike Tomlin, but to me, I would want Jim Har- John Harbaugh just because he makes the most out of every single situation. Um, I don't think we're ever talking about a Lamar Jackson MVP season if it's not for John Harbaugh. Like they drafted him and then changed their whole team to base around his skill set. How many coaches off the top of your head do you think could do that? To me, it's Bill Belichick. It's John Harbaugh. Sean Payton could do that because he does that with Taysom Hill and uh, maybe Sean McVay. I don't know how many other coaches could just sit there and say, I got this guy who can't throw that well, but runs a four, three. And I have the best off one of the best offensive lines in the league. We're going to run a college style um, wildcat type offense and John Harbaugh not only did it embraced it and then made it work. So I, I love everything about John Harbaugh. I, you got a really good point there. I mean, and we've also figured out that one Harbaugh brother is maybe a little better than the other one. We see yeah. outside of being in San Francisco, you know, Harbaugh's not that good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would, I would agree. I, I do think that you could mostly only name on one hand, how many people would have been able to handle this Lamar Jackson situation as well as he has, um, I do think it's good looking at, you know, looking at this schedule that you just brought up, mm-hmm. their beginning of the schedule is not easy at all. Mm-hmm. This is, I had a chance to look at this. I mean, that leading to the first seven weeks with before the bye, mm-hmm. would you be surprised if they went three and three and four? I mean, you've got the Colts who are really good. You've got the Chargers who could stay in any game. 
Yeah. Who knows what you know, you've got the Chiefs who are going to be out for blood. The the Raiders could be really good or or at least average in this league. Mm-hmm. And you know the Bengals being you know is going to be consistent. So I mean, I this could I like I hadn't looked the schedule, but this isn't an easy schedule. I mean, the second half of the schedule gets a little bit easier, but this is no this is not actually not a cakewalk of a schedule. Not at all. Uh, at at Oakland, and I think that's the Monday night game. It is the Monday night game. Plus um, Vegas. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna be <laughs> Oakland. I gotta put a dollar in the jar. Damn it, uh, <laughs> Vegas. That, that's not gonna be an easy game by any means. They're gonna be fired up. Gruden's gonna be coming out and wanting to make a statement. I do ultimately think they can win that game, but uh, and then at home at the Chiefs, I don't want to be shocked if this team starts 0-2 uh, and then comes into the bye with three wins, maybe four wins, uh, and then we're questioning, you know, what's the deal with the Ravens? And then um, I could see them making adjustments at the bye, winning winning against the Vikings, winning, getting a big win against the Dolphins, maybe winning at the Bears. Like I could see that that being the situation where we come out of the bye and the Ravens are making a little bit of a run here. But ultimately, I do think that's partly why the schedule is kind of tough here. Um, that I that I see them being on par with the Steelers on that 500 at eight and eight nine nine and eight sort of team. I mean, I could see ten wins if all things broke correctly here. Um, but I mean, if if Rodgers is playing for the Packers, that's a tough game. The Rams, I, I mean, the Rams are the second favorite I think in the NFC. I mean, they're going to be damn good this year. And um, I mean, it helps that that game's at home for sure in, in January. So that's not going to be as easy as it would be as California. But I, I as if the Browns are as good as I think, and I just think this team is not going to be as good as Vegas thinks. And I might even look at that over under or those odds and say, you know what? I think, I don't think the Ravens are going to be that good. Uh, That's the over under for them. What's that? Over under is 11 for them. I think I would slam the under on that, to be honest with you. I think 10 is probably the best case scenario for this team, but I also think eight and nine or nine and eight is the most likely outcome for the Ravens. Uh, You know, looking at the schedule now, I still think that with the coach, with the defense, which I think is a little bit better than you think right now. I still think that it's a 10 win. I think it's a 10 win between a 10 and 11 win team. Uh, the more I look at the schedule, the more I'm a little nervous about it. If I were a, uh, well, I mean, I guess I was technically a former, uh, former fan of this team before Art Modell decided to screw <laughs> us. But um, I, maybe I had to look at the, the schedule of the Browns to come back, but maybe the Browns can win this division. It's not an easy schedule. No, and I think that they caught some breaks um, by getting the Chiefs at home, by getting the Chargers at home, um, and getting the Packers at home, and, and the Rams. I think those four games being at home could be a big difference for them. But, you know, at the Broncos is going to be tough, and Colts are going to be tough regardless if it's home or away. Um, some of these teams, they get a little bit of a break not having to go to their stadium, so that might help their cause. But still, I would say 9-8, and 8-9, eight, eight and kind of on par with the Steelers here uh, is the likely outcome. And I didn't even notice this just quickly. They've got eight of their 17 games are either prime time mm-hmm. or in that 425 slot, which is a lot of uh, a lot of big games. So, that, I mean, they the you know, the television stations, which I may or may not work for, um, have a lot of faith in this team. And I don't think it's just Lamar. Yep. So, I mean, you know, looking at what they've done, and I understand this the schedule comes out a little bit before. But, you know, having eight primetime slash 425 games, I think the league has faith. And like I said, the betters do as well. They, I believe they're a plus 143 mm-hmm. to win the division. So they're doing something right, at least in the eyes of the betters and everybody else. I mean, a lot. I, I think a lot of people go with safe bets, too. And I think the Ravens have been a safe bet for a long time. So I don't totally fault people for that. So, um, 
I, I'm super fascinated by the Ravens this year, but I just don't think they're going to be as good as everyone else does. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Oh, and uh, just quickly, apparently, you know, I've, I'm cheating on my uh, podcast partner, apparently, you know, uh, we mentioned his name and he, all of a sudden he, he shows up saying, you know, I'm doing double duty here. Well, you know, some, some of us are more demand than others, Jay, just saying. Yeah, you know, you're doing a great service here uh, onto the Life Group Podcast umbrella, and we greatly appreciate that. And, uh, you know, uh, we're going to do a little cheap plug right here quick. Uh, check out the Work Shoot podcast over on uh, Wrestling Life. Uh, your Thursday still, right? Uh, the majority of the time. Uh, this past week, uh, we took that Monday Donk City. Oh, that sounded weird. Uh, we took the Monday slot this, uh, this past week, but most weeks we will be uh, Thursdays at 7 o'clock. You can follow us at Work Shoot Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And, you know, maybe we'll do a couple more plugs later on of the 400 different things that I do. But uh, yes, that's the big one. We'll tease all the shows at the end of the little impromptu plug for you because I wanted to really build the anticipation because it is now time to talk Cleveland Browns football, Corey. And we were going to have you on regardless this week, whether we had Matt Bushnell or not. But, you know, we really wanted to talk to you about some Cleveland Browns because, look, I I sort of I, I know I'll never change my fandom. I'll never change my allegiance to the New York football giants. But on that fateful March day, when they traded Odell Beckham Jr. to the Browns, a part of me left and started rooting for the Browns, too. Now, Odell Beckham Jr. has not been a big reason for the Browns' success over the last couple of years. I understand that. But I love Baker Mayfield. I love Kevin Stefanski. I love so much about the Browns uh, in the last few years and how they run their team. And, I mean, I don't love the whole run first aspect of a team, but I love Nick Chubb. And, I, I mean, they have the best one-two punch at, at running back, and it's not particularly close. Um, they, they have so much, and then they're so fun to watch on top of that with Baker. Um, to me, I mean, after that big win against the Steelers in the postseason and coming so close against the Chiefs in the playoffs last year, it feels like it's time for the Browns to make a deep playoff run. What do you think as a Browns fan? Uh, we're going to go Owen 17 and, uh, <laughs> it's going to be the typical Brown spending all the money in the world and, uh, nothing happening, fixing the defense, then something, no, um, let me first say this, and I don't know if you guys – I spoke to you, I guess, earlier in the year, and I guess this is where some of the, the insecurity on all this happens, mm-hmm. is uh, Vice, Vice TV was started off doing Dark Side of the Ring wrestling, uh, wrestling-related. Okay. They were also doing the Dark Side of Football. And one of the last episodes they had was the Cleveland Browns and mm-hmm. the disaster of an organization that's been, and, you know, Belichick and Art Modell, the city, you know, on fire, and all the different things. And you think – and then, like, the last – the last line of it was, there actually might be good now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the fans there are passionate. They're going to always support their team. There's a reason why in 1999 we were promised – I mean, when the when Modell, you know, left in the middle of the night, we were promised to get another franchise right away. So, I mean, this fan base, you know, will root for this team no matter what. Is there more hope than there's been in, you know, 20 years? Absolutely. Do I think some of the hope – is a little over the top. Yeah. Uh, I love the fact that they rebuilt, they rebuilt the defense. Uh, is that to, you know, to go and make up for the mistake of losing to uh, Mahomes and uh, I can't even think of the top of my head, the backup uh, in the playoff game. Uh, yeah. I was trying to forget that. Uh, I think it was the first time China Henny has been good since college. Um, <laughs> but I think this could be a really good team. You know, we'll have to look at the schedule and you bring it up as you've done with all these other teams quite well. The over-under in Vegas is, is 10 games. Do I think off the top of my head they can win more than 10 games? Absolutely. 
Mm-hmm. It was all fall apart like a house of cards. And last year was a mirage. And we see, you know, Baker of year two, you know, year one, he was really good. Year three, he was really, really, really good. Year two, he was an utter disaster. And now he's got a defense to support Miles Garrett. Who knows what the uh, what what the big boy on the other end still has left in the tank? Is he a third down specialist, or is he actually going to be better than Olivia Vernon? We'll see. And we got a steal in the draft uh, in the second round with JOK. First round, I love the pick as well. We spoke on the show when you guys did your marathon draft special. I love the draft. Um, but you know what? You don't win on paper. Right. And we've seen that with many teams. So crossing fingers here, but I, I rambled on a little bit. So No, you're fine. I mean, I, I think that any Browns fan that's excited, it's warranted because you said you don't win on paper, but I'm just going to talk about on paper right now. I'm looking at the roster and where are the weaknesses for this team? Um, they have good players at every level. I would say maybe Anthony Walker is a weak spot here. Um, maybe Andrew Billings in the defensive line. Um, overall, I think that there is a good player at every position in this projected starter list that I sent you earlier. Um, Baker Mayfield might be one of the bigger weaknesses of this team. Um, and, may, and, and mainly his connection with Odell Beckham Jr. Um, I, you know, loved Odell Beckham Jr. so much as a Giants fan. And I thought he gave everything he had to us and was one of the most exciting player we had for five years when there wasn't a ton to be excited about for the Giants. With that said, I expected so much more from these two as a, as a, as a combo. Um, to this point, Odell's been hurt with the Browns a few times. Baker and Odell can't seem to have the the connection that I expected them to have. And I mean, it seems to be brought up to me often, but when Odell went down last year, Baker started playing much better. I don't necessarily think that is the reason why he started playing much better, but it is sort of a coincidence that it happened at the same time. I think that they, the Browns just started hitting their stride at that time and, and Kevin Stefanski figured out some things. And I think they would have done the same exact thing, if not maybe even better, if they had Odell. I think they might have won the Ravens game if they had Odell. Um, I think the receivers hurt them in that game big time. But I'm looking at this roster, and you're the Browns fan, Corey, so you tell me what are some concerns you have here because I think this team is, is stacked all around. Let's see. Um, I think the offensive line is very good. Yeah. I think the running backs are phenomenal. It's the best two, be- two one two punch in the league. I think Jarvis is better than people give him credit for. Mm-hmm. I know you told me what, what were the what were the problems with the team, but I'm now I'm praising a team that I'm saying could be the best. <laughs> um, is what do we really know about these draft picks that they've picked over the last couple of years in the secondary, which has been a huge problem for this team? Mm-hmm. Yes, we we got uh, we got Johnson. We basically took the best parts that were available from the Rams mm-hmm. and brought them over here. But, you know, Delphi, Denzel Ward is, you know, playing for that fifth year uh, option. Mm-hmm. I, I love Denzel Ward. I mean, he's my favorite, my, my third or fourth favorite defensive player behind, you know, Garrett and Joe Hayden, you know, I really wish I didn't have to go and root against Joe Hayden, but you know, it's another subject for another time. But I think that the secondary could be could take time to figure out what they're doing. I mean, you know, facing uh, facing the, uh, the Chiefs week one, you know, is going to be a huge test. And you know, it's happy they don't have Frank Clark because Frank Clark might be a moron. But um, I I don't know. The secondary still scares me because you know you don't know how they're going to gel. I'm not sure what. Like I said, uh, the big the big acquisition on the defensive line 
if it's all name value, you know, he was number one pick overall. Has he really ever really deserved to be the number one pick? I mean, you know, Miles Garrett is, like I said, the best defensive player in the AFC, maybe the best defensive player in all of football. You know, you could say Donald possibly, but he's better than one. I don't care what anybody says. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. The defense does, until you show me they can do something, it still scares me. I think the Clowney concern is fair, but I think Clowney they're sort of taking a flyer on in general because to, to sort of fill that Olivier Vernon role. Um, and maybe Clowney is rejuvenated after he sees the freak as Miles Garrett get triple teamed and still get to the passer somehow. Uh, well, the over-under, and we said the – I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we said the over-under for, you know, uh, for Watkins is mostly five games. What's the over-under games that he plays? I mean, is he going to play a full season? When was the last time he played a full season and – like I said, and maybe I've been talking to uh, my partner, Jason Brooks, too often, who talk, when we made the signing, said it was basically it was a nothing signing. He could be a third down rotation guy, in his opinion. I think he was also trying to get into my skin a little bit. But, you know, what happens if he, he's, he isn't healthy? Yeah. What are we doing in regards to a pass rush? I mean, yeah. JOK, JOK could be really good. Yeah. But, what you know, if Miles Garrett, you know, we're hoping he doesn't get double teamed every play because of the fact we have, you know, on paper – we have Clowney there, but if he isn't, you know, the Clowney that got, you know, drafted first overall, are we really thinking that this defense can really get a huge mm-hmm. push? You know, I mean, yeah, 10 SX every year is great, but we got this guy here to go and allow the best best defensive player in the AFC, not you, t- not, not you, Watts, to go and be a big-time help to, to Garrett. Yeah, you know? I think that's fair. Um, so, I mean, you're also relying on Tack McKinley to be a, a spot pass rusher, which he sort of flamed out in Atlanta. So I don't know how much you can really rely on that. Um, I mean, Malik Jackson, I think is still a damn good interior defensive lineman. So yeah, yeah. He'll be pretty good. good. But, uh, you know, that's a fair concern. I think the opposite of a Miles Garrett pass rush situation is, is fascinating, but in general, as long as you have Miles Garrett on the field, he's going to wreak havoc. And I think he's going to be the focal point of every team you play. Um, they, they, Obviously, we'll try to um, attack, you know, the secondary and spurts, but their main concern will be let's not let Miles Garrett ruin our life today. So they're going to spend a ton of time game playing for Miles Garrett, and you have to hope a lot of those guys step up. Um, but I, I think Miles Garrett could still have an Aaron Donald type effect, even if he's double teamed. He is literally the, the biggest freak of nature in the league, maybe besides Aaron Donald, but he's bigger and he looks like a freaking beast always. Well, we, we saw him in the draft. Yeah. You know, I mean, right. I, I don't know if you've ever seen a tighter suit in your life. And it's not because he's a fat guy. It's because there was there's muscles where we could only dream there might be, you know, we think muscles should even be. The guy is a freak of nature. Uh, he loves dinosaurs. So, you know, yeah. The, the videos of him dribbling a basketball and dunking and stuff are just terrifying. <laughs> just the thought of him playing other sports is just it's uh, it's, it's terrifying is the word. Um so to me, okay, your, your concerns are valid, I think. And I think on paper, their offense, I trust that Baker and Odell will figure it out. The offensive line is ridiculous. Nick Chubb uh, and, and the uh, why is the other running back – I'm drawing a blank. What's the other guy's name? Hunt. Yeah, Kareem Hunt. That's the best one-two punch in the league, and they both played amazing. Let's not say punch around. Uh, okay. That, that, that could be dangerous. So uh, – <laughs> Uh, Austin Hooper is the slated starter, but you still have uh, David and Joku and Harrison Bryant, who are also damn good tight ends as well. The offense is so unique, and what makes it even more uh, satisfying for me is Kevin Stefanski is the reigning coach of the year, and he was the absolute home run of a hire that you guys needed to make after the dumpster fire that you had in Freddie Kitchens and even Hugh Jackson before that. Kevin Stefanski is a guy who could be 
jolted up into one of the best coaches in the league um, pretty quickly if he's not already because he turned the Browns relevant and he could make all of this work, whether it concerns, masks, any issues, regardless. I, I, the, I think the world of Kevin Stefanski, and if he can make Baker Odell work and he can make Jadavian Clowney come back to what he was in 2016 through 2018 at all, then give him another coach of the year award because this team is going to dominate and they're going to win a lot of games and they're going to win this division. And they might find themselves in the final four against the chiefs. Hey, from your, from your lips to whatever God you root for his ears. Um, (laughs) I, you know, I'm like, I said, I'm not, you would hope that the guy, I mean, I don't know how you are when you, when you guys do the preview for the giants, if you're going to be the super negative guy, because you're, you've got the realistic idea of what these guys are and aren't not just looking at them on paper, but It said Odell wasn't there last year. When Odell was there, they had a couple of moments where they had good chemistry with Baker. Yeah, I love I, my favorite player on the team is Jarvis Landry. Mm-hmm. I actually named my fantasy team bless bless him based on <laughs> uh, him in uh, Hard Knocks. I didn't think I'd be mentioning Hard Knocks twice in one show, but I, is is Hig, uh, Rashid Higgins? Yeah, Hollywood Higgins, which I I'm sure some people don't know his name, name is Hollywood Higgins. Yeah. But if he has to be your number two for 16 games or 17, and then you've got the kid, the speedster, who I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head. I do apologize. Donovan Peoples-Jones. Hey, Donovan Peoples-Jones, who in Sparks looked amazing. Yeah. But if you have to go, if Higgins is your number two, Peoples is your number three, and your, your one is a slot receiver who doesn't usually run you know, down the field, goes to a mark, he catches, and it's great. As good as your running game is, yeah. are you going to be that amazed you know if Od- i know everybody says they were better without o- odell but one of the things this league figures out you you do one thing the league figures it out the next year yep. maybe reason the reasons and like i said i love baker i do he's the best quarterback not saying much he's the best quarterback we've had since bernie kozar it's been a dumpster <laughs> fire which we all know seeing the memes of ty detmer and all those other scumbags i'm i, I swear i love this team um but <laughs> just think about this if if things go think if things go great on paper, this team could win 13 games maybe or whatever when we look at the schedule yeah. and should win this division maybe by far in a in a route. And you know, betting plus 146 for the Browns to win is the, the smartest bet of the year. But if things don't go on paper as you think, and Odell once again can't you know stay healthy, what could what is this team truly? And that's what scares me as a lifelong Browns fan. For, you know, for two years, decided to go and just watch as a fan for other teams. Bernard Modell decided to break our hearts. But, you know, I might be living in the past. Okay. Yeah, I, I have this reputation of being negative for the Giants. But as you know, as a fan of your team, you sort of have a realistic view of them. And you try to be optimistic. But in general, you kind of know what your team is. I mean, the Giants for the last five years have had the, have tied for the worst rec- record in, in the entire sport. And that's with your Cleveland Browns going winless for a season during that time. I'm sorry, but like I, the, the Giants have not earned any sort of optimism from me. Um, their best season, six and ten, and I'm supposed to think all of a sudden they're going to win the division. Okay, how about you don't lose ten games in the season? This is not about the Giants. I just wanted to trust that the Browns have consistently built off of each year, and that to me is how you develop and how you make progress. So they're sustainable. There, there are things that you can point to and say they have shown improvement each year. Now, and it's a good point that you brought up about Odell, even if him and Baker aren't on the same page, he opens up so many other things for your offense because he requires the number one corner on the other team. He requires a safety spy, most likely, because the last thing you want is Odell beating you deep because he still is capable of that. 
And then Jarvis is running open underneath. You still have Higgins on the other side getting one-on-ones. He can make plays. And all the tight ends you have and all the running backs you can catch passes, like Odell opens up so many other things about your offense. And that was always my argument is like, even if he's not putting up monster set of stats, his impact is still there. And I know he's making a lot of money. You want him to put up monster stats, but you become one-dimensional without that threat. So I think his health is super important for you guys. I pulled up the schedule here, Corey. Um, we've talked about the, the whole roster. We've talked about Stefanski. And now let's break down the schedule. And you mentioned it. Chiefs week one right out of the gate. I love this matchup. I mean, of course, they're going to do it after the playoff game they had last year right off the jump. Wait, um, that playoff game happened? I don't, I don't remember that game. I, well, I blacked yeah, I mean, out after a certain, you know, non-call in the end zone. But whatever. I'm sorry. I still helmet to helmet. It's still, it's still the right call. I'm sorry, but uh, helmet to helmet. Sure, you want to argue that, but the the ball out of the end zone. It's a stupid rule, but that's the rule. Um, anyway, uh, I, I understand. Four four oh eight two four three four three four. Okay, hi guys. Um, ordering tickets. Thank you. But <laughs> uh, I, you know, you should go to games. I mean, this is going to be the most entertaining Browns team you've had probably in your lifetime, and I think that's that's great because you you had a ton of struggles as a Browns fan over the, since the turn of the millennium. I mean, really, like you said, this is Baker Mayfield is the best quarterback you've had since Bernie Kosar. When was the last time Bernie Kosar took a snap? <laughs> well, I mean, early Stupid 90s. Cowboys. Stupid Cowboys. Um, I think I said this on a podcast once before. I've rooted for the Cowboys one day in my life. So Bernie can get a ring. It's the only day I've ever rooted for him. And I still feel dirty to this day, but you should feel dirty. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's all right. I understand. Um, so you're looking at the schedule as a whole. Obviously, in the, when we, you, you look at the uh, schedules for every team in a division, there are a lot of the same teams. You play the same divisions. Uh, but where you're mixing in is, is based on matchups or where you, you finish in the standings. So you guys get the Texans. That's going to be nice uh, after the, the Chiefs game, regardless of what happens there. You get the Cardinals. That'll be an entertaining game. I don't think it's going to be an easy game by any means, but it'll be fun for, for a non a person with no investment in there. You get the Patriots. At New England, so that you don't really know what you're getting from New England yet. Um, I kind of think that they'll be better than they were last year a little bit, but we'll see. But overall, you I mean you got the the Packers. You don't know what the Rodgers situation is, so there's some questions here. But overall, I think the Browns are better than a lot of these teams on the slate, and I want to know how they can handle playing in their division because that could really determine how well they are this year. Because if they could take care of business against the Steelers, maybe not split, maybe win both of those games. So maybe you split against the Ravens, and if you maybe you won both of the games against the Bengals last year, winning both of the games against the Bengals again this year, and that's how you win divisions is winning your division games. So I want I really want to see how they match up with, in, against the teams in their division. I I agree. I mean, in, on paper, this team they should start you know no worse than three and one. To start the year, I mean, it'd be great if they start four and zero beating Kansas City, but you got to think that's going to, yeah. on paper, should be a loss, even if Clark doesn't play. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that second four games, I know we weren't going one by one with this, but I mean, second four games, I mean, you, in theory, you should go two and two, so you could say that's five, that's five and three at that point, I think. Yeah. The next, the next four, should go two and two, maybe. So that's seven wins. What's seven that's seven and five, which doesn't sound great on paper, but I mean, you got some of these, you got it. You would think you would split with uh, the Ravens and Steelers. And, you know, I don't think the Patriots are very, I mean, they improved their defense, but I think we're better. I think we should be better than them. I agree. Ravens, Raiders, Green Bay, Steelers, and Cincinnati. You hope to go three. I mean, perfect world. It's four and one, yeah. but you would think three and two. So, I mean, that sounds like, 
sounds like 10 wins. And that's what, and that's what Vegas has him at. I mean, I don't know okay, if you disagree is, with that, but I mean, if you could see what my, my, my reasoning is on there. I mean, yeah, I think it's a conservative prediction, but I think if you're, if you're being conservative and you start out, you're still at 10 wins, that's, that's a good thing. <laughs> I think that you are, you're cautiously optimistic. And if they're better than you think, then that could easily be 12 wins. You know, like I think that's fair for you to be for, for you to temper your expectations. I'm looking at this, and it's, it's crazy that you have the Ravens week 12, a bye week 13, and the Ravens again week 14. I, I don't know if I've ever seen that before, but you basically play them back-to-back in the schedule with the bye in between. So that'll be an important stretch, too, uh, to see how you do. I, I mean, obviously, you, you would take a split with them, but um, we'll see how that is uh, and how they are at that point, too. I think you're better than the Raiders. I think you can win that game. Packers, we'll see. But – oh. I'll just make the prediction now. I think the Browns are going to be a 12-win team. I think they're going to go 12-5. and five. I think they're going to win the AFC North, and I think they're going to be the two-seed, and I think they're going to end up playing the Chiefs. Uh, or I have another prediction for another team that could be there, so I'm not going to say it yet. I'll save right. it for another uh, prediction show, but the Chiefs might not be there. I could see They're going to play for the uh, chance to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. That's my prediction for the Browns. That, that'd, be, that'd be lovely. Did mm-hmm. I say lovely on a on a on a football podcast? That'd be great. Um, Tony the Tiger just spent it in my body. Um, great, uh, but I I see what you're saying here. I mean, like I said, I'm going to say it again. As you know, the depressed and bitter Browns fan who's, who's still surprised that you know we played well last year. On paper, this team should this team should make the playoffs. Win it. Win. You know, basically beat up a lot of these teams but you don't play these games on paper. And if Odell can't figure it out, if uh, Clowney is a, is a clown, look, look what I did there. It's so funny. Um, that's a problem. Uh, you know, if Johnson has trouble, you know, adapting to the new, uh, to a new team, if all the teams were afoot, those 46 picks or 47 picks before JOK knew that, you know, he was undersized and he's really not going to be this, dominant player who can run all around the field there, you know, this isn't, this isn't perfect, you know, but fingers crossed. I do have one question for you and I don't know how much you, more you want to talk about my wonderful team on paper. We're wrapping it up after this. So, uh, uh, Would you give $12 million? I think it was, it was a number for a fifth year option for Denzel Ward. Cause like I said, I love him. And first couple of, first two years of his career, he was maybe the, you know, third or fourth best, you know, quarterback in the business. He's been hurt. He's looked bad against some of these number ones. I don't, I honestly don't know what the right answer is. I mean, I try to look at what the other top guys are making in the league. 12 million doesn't feel like a crippling amount of money for a guy that you took fourth overall. You're also paying Baker 18. Yeah. I would probably do it. Like this always goes back to the giants with me, but the giants gave a Dory Jackson 14 million a year. Uh, essentially, and that's a lot worse. And I, don't, I think Denzel Ward's a hell of a lot better than a Dory Jackson. Yeah, it's 13 2. I'm sorry, it's 13 2 is the number. Yeah. yeah, I would do it. I mean, one year, I mean, it's sort of like a kind of like a prove it situation, too. So you, you pay him a good amount of money and hope that hope that he turns into that number one corner. And if he doesn't, then you you sort of let him test the market and test the waters and see what he can get. I don't think that's a, a crippling amount of money by any means. I would probably do that, especially with your secondary already sort of a question mark in general. Yeah, and I guess the other part of that is it's because I have you. I have you here. Yeah, number two pick in that draft, some guy named Barkley who can't stay healthy. Who's you're gonna that? Give him seven, you're going to give him seven point two billion dollars. 
that's 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 what I think is super interesting. Uh, you know, we all know that Josh Allen's deserves a fifth year option, and you know Mika deserves one, but. I do think that number two pick is really interesting. $7.2 million for running back who can't stay healthy. I mean, I'm busting the balls of a Giants fan here. I know that, but I'm just uh, – I'll never – at the time, I was okay with the pick. I have quickly soured on it. Uh, I don't think it's a, a, a proper use of draft capital. Uh, it's nothing against the player. Obviously, when Saquon's healthy, he's super exciting, but now he's coming off of an ACL. I just think the Giants would be really dumb to extend him. A uh, fifth-year option, okay, maybe. We'll see how he does this year. But I don't see how you can justify giving him any sort of contract extension at this time. Um, when you going into it, you knew the average lifespan of a running back is five years. So uh, drafting him second overall was flawed in that, uh, that thought process already. So I have no idea what's going to happen with Saquon, but I'm going to expect the worst because Dave Gettleman is my GM. So uh, <laughs> I don't really know what's going to happen there. Okay, we've talked a lot about this uh, this division. I think it's a damn good division. I think usually um, when we think about the bottom part of it, it's usually the the Browns that are bad or the Bengals that are bad, and it's sort of top-heavy with the two teams. But I think this is a very, very deep division filled with a lot of talent, and it's going to be a lot of competitive games. And I don't think any team who has to play this division is going to enjoy themselves because I think all of these teams can be damn competitive, and, and obviously I think the world of the Browns. So, um, Corey, this has been uh, a ton of fun to do with you and the technical difficulties on my end. I deeply apologize for that. Um, but, you know, all the audible, if you've stuck around and watched with us, we greatly appreciate it. We have so many other shows under this life group umbrella. We have tomorrow night at seven o'clock at Eastern time. We have donk city over in baseball life. And then Thursday's your show, Corey, why don't you tell us about it? Uh, sure. We are the, the work shoot wrestling podcast with uh, the human wheelbarrow himself, uh, Jason Brooks, and the guy who just drags along with hopefully interesting opinions occasionally. Corey Richmond, uh, Thursdays at seven o'clock most weeks, talking uh, all the big stories in wrestling with for hopefully a little bit smarter of a fan, talking more of the business aspect of times, talking AW, WWE, the return of MLW, the return of fans, New Japan Pro Wrestling. But also uh, we do a, I work on another podcast, uh, You Don't Know Jackie, which is our comedy pass podcast uh, with Jackie Endy, Jackie Rachel, Jackie Brandon. And myself, because I have self-respect, I don't consider myself a Jackie. That's for another subject. I'm only kidding. But uh, one of the things that was brought up in the uh, one of the life group uh, was about fr uh, the show Friends and how it was overrated. Uh, this upcoming week, we do our first of two episodes talking about Friends and how Living Single was a much better show. Mm -hmm. um, and if you listen to our episodes last two weeks, uh, Jay has decided he wanted to sing, sing, sing the, uh, the theme song to Living Single because, you know, He's a he's a 90s he's a 90s gal apparently, but um, of course you'll check out those. And uh, final plug, one of our guests who's been on the podcast, Brian Drake, uh, tonight at 10 o'clock, uh, the Fantasy uh, Football Hustle 100th episode, one of the best uh, besides our boys, you know, mm -hmm. Sean and Felipe. But they've done a hundred. This is their hundredth episode today. So when you're done with us, 10 o'clock, check them out uh, wherever you know on YouTube, Facebook. Everywhere they do a great job and it's just cheap plug for, you know, some good guys. Well, if you're deprived of content in this digital world we live in, certainly come to the life groups where we have you covered each and every day. Uh, Tuesday nights, obviously here on football, I present the audible Matt Bushnell will be back next week. Not sure what conference we'll be doing or division we'll be doing, but we'll, we'll plug that ahead of time. Uh, obviously tomorrow, like I said, our flagship show Donk city with Vince Mercadetti and Henry Maldonado jr. Corey did a great job of plugging his show on Thursdays, work show and wrestling knife. Friday nights, Basketball Life presents Step Back with 
Leon Tompkins and Jacob Moses. It is the final four time in the NBA. And, you know, those guys got you covered all around. I cannot wait to see how it shakes out. I love the fact that you're going to have a team that's never won the finals before. Potentially. The league has got to be – I'm sorry to interrupt. The league has got to be so upset that they've got Atlanta, which is not exactly a big market. they got Milwaukee, which is a terrible market. they got Phoenix, which is – and you got the secondary team that people usually don't care about right. in L.A. So uh, I don't know what the ratings will be. Right. And maybe because I talk about ratings every week on my podcast, I care about the stuff. Right. And I may be on the TV end of things. <laughs> um, but I'm sure that, you know, Leon and um, uh, I just forgot. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Are going to do a great job breaking this stuff down. I will be listening myself tomorrow. Um, you know, I think the worst possible outcome is probably LA versus Milwaukee as far as an entertainment value. Uh, I'm rooting for Suns Hawks just as a basketball fan. I think those would be the best games. I know the ratings probably don't reflect it, but the NBA playoffs has really been great this whole, this whole time. So, um, I cannot wait to see how it shakes out. And then Sundays, our fantasy baseball podcast, uh, total bases with Felipe Melicio and Sean Flannery. I mean, those guys, it's full swing baseball time, middle of June, uh, almost approaching the all-star break. Um, you know, my Yankees are starting to turn things around a little bit. I got to go to the game Saturday, a big win with mom. So that was cool. Um, so I'm going on Thursday, actually. Oh, yeah. So Yankee game to the yeah, Royals? one o'clock, uh, one o'clock versus the uh, Kansas City Royals. Unfortunately, you know, Garrett Cole's pitching tonight. And uh, right. I forget I forget who we get. But, you know, eh, you know, hopefully you don't get uh, Jameson Tyone. All right. Yeah, we get. <laughs> Great. Well, Corey, it has been a pleasure talking to you about football, about your division. I mean, you're always a pleasure to talk to about the Browns. Uh, maybe I'll hop on and do uh, some TV talk with you someday. Maybe I got to come on and do some wrestling talk with you. Um, but nonetheless, every time I get the chance to talk to you, it's a, it's a blast. So thank you so much for joining us today. The pleasure is always mine. All right. Well, thank you to all the viewers on Facebook, uh, on YouTube. If you're listening on the audio only platforms, we greatly appreciate that as well. Wherever you may be, however you may be listening. Thank you guys for making us a small part of your day. I'm Randy Hammond on behalf of Corey Richmond saying see you guys next week.